I was so grateful and inspired that Barry, when he saw the topic of this service, chose Ma Tovu as his opening music. I want to tell you a little bit about how that prayer came about. The first line of it is from the Bible. <clears throat> how goodly are thy tents, O Yaakov, Jacob. How beautiful thy encampments, O Israel, Israel. Now those are, um, he's not speaking to a particular person, he's speaking to the people. The people Israel, who in turn took their name from Yaakov, Jacob, the third of the three patriarchs, and the reason he got that name is an interesting one for Unitarian Universalists. Someday I'll tell you the whole story in much more detail, but to be very brief, he, uh, Jacob was sleeping by a river one night, and a mysterious man started wrestling with him, wrestled all night. They wrestled to a, to a stalemate until the morning light when the man said, I need to leave you now, but I'm giving you a new name. You will be called Israel, Yisrael, which means the one who wrestles with God. Because you have wrestled with God and with humanity and with yourself and prevailed. And so that became the name of Jacob's descendants, his people, the ones who wrestle with God. And I've always thought that Yaakov, Israel, is an apt patron saint for Unitarian Universalists. Those who wrestle with received truths, with our own first thoughts, with whatever has been told to us is sacred. Because we believe and we experience in that wrestling that that process itself is holy. So this phrase from the Bible was spoken when a people, a man was sent, a man named Balaam, was sent by his leader to curse the people of Yaakov, the people of Israel. And like the church up on the hill in the story, he saw them from above and he was about to curse them when something came over him, something he couldn't explain. And instead he called out, this blessing, how beautiful, how beautiful are your tents, how beautiful are your dwelling places, O people of Israel. And so he blessed them instead. And Jewish people took that line, and it's line, your people, your, your tents. And they expanded the you and added lines that seemed to be addressed to God, how you have blessed me with your grace. I enter into your sanctuary. In the version I read, the first you, when he's talking to Jacob and, and uh, <clears throat> the people of Israel, he, uh, I, it has a small Y for you, and then when it changes, it talks to big Y, you. Uh, but there's no such thing in Hebrew. There's no use of capital letters. It's exactly the same pronoun, so we can judge for ourselves who is being addressed. Who creates the grace of this sanctuary? Who creates the beauty of those tents? What makes space sacred? 
That's what I'm thinking about today. As I reflect on our history, thinking about our physical heritage here at UUCPA, there are so many ways to enter sacred space. So many theologies, so many paths that other, other people might call secular, that we list among our sources, reason and science and prophetic actions, nature, the arts, so many ways in addition to all the many theologies of humanity. And those paths are sacred. Those paths by which we light the way to our sacred space are themselves sacred, whatever they may be. It is what we do and think and experience and feel and sing and say here together or alone in the great open space of our sanctuary that hallows it, that hallows not only the sanctuary and the beautiful gardens, but the patio, the lawn, even, and as recently as this morning, the parking lot. And then we create and tend the space to show that it is so, to show that we, are important, we are sacred. We bring one another the grace by which we are transformed. Something happens, moments of wisdom, of insight, of compassion, of an opening of our hearts to something that we had not even realized was there before. We created this space and we care for it to show that what happens here is important. Pardon me just a moment. <clears throat> Let's reflect on other places. They could be here in this space or any place else in your life that seems sacred to you just because of your experience. Maybe it's your childhood home with a door jam marked little lines and dates showing your and your siblings growth over the years. Maybe it's a place that you camped out and saw the sunrise. Maybe it's a museum or a theater or a classroom our hospital room. Let's just spend a little time there and think about what makes it sacred, what makes it matter, especially to each of us. Now these places where something sacred happens. Something that sends us forth with new understanding or fuller life. They can be anywhere. Of course they can. They can be anywhere. And what humans do 
When something important happens, no matter where it may be, is oftentimes we create a shrine. Right back to ancient cairns, just a little pile of stones that say, this something important happened here. After Jacob had his mysterious encounter with a stranger who wrestled with him all night, he put a stone there so that he would always know it was that spot and anybody who came along could see something happened here to someone. We see it when we go by a spot on the highway where someone died, that an impromptu shrine is created there because sometimes the sacred places are terrible, but something enormous, transformative happened there. And although it may just look like any spot on the highway to everybody else, those who know, those whose lives were changed in that spot, they'll mark it with flowers, with teddy bears, with a cross or a name. And oftentimes, the shrines that we create to the sacred places in our lives are just in our hearts. No one else can see them. I had an experience in a conference room, a, a, a center, in a, you know, one of those conference centers, hotels. All the rooms are the same. Ugly carpeting and fluorescent lights. And I can't even remember, I can't even remember what city it was in. I, I could go and look it up, I suppose. What city was our general assembly in that year all i know is in that unimportant room i heard an address a sermon really that changed my life i think of it often it changed me for the better and so in my heart i have a little shrine there i couldn't set it up they'd shoo me away <laughs> So many ordinary things happen in that room, different ones every week. But there's a shrine there for me. Any place where, as Lisa said, we're pulled out of our comfort zone and we are transformed or we transform others, the world is transformed through us. They may have a shrine, physical, invisible, tangible, intangible. So how do we tend those places to say what Louis Untermeyer said with his beautiful prayer to bless a home? To say that every casual corner is a shrine, a reminder that what happens, what happens here is what matters most. We might do all sorts of things. We might set up a physical shrine. We might just clear a little space, keep it clean, keep it polished like Zora's brass lamp. Might put a photograph there. Or you might just remember it, pause in thinking every time we go by that place. We give it care. So I'm thinking about the care that we give our place here. This has been a welcoming place <clears throat> for people who don't find a welcome in most religious communities. Ever since its founding, a welcoming place for, as well as people of other theologies, humanists, atheists, doubters, questioners, 
the founders of our congregation and those who built these buildings 10 years later, who planted these gardens and set out these grounds. They asserted what happens in the heart and soul of an atheist is as important as what happens in the religious awakenings of a theist, of a Christian. This is our church honoring our many paths, the many lights that we bring together and make our hearth of right here. They were explicitly recognizing all of these paths as sacred. If you missed Dan's class about this a couple weeks ago, I urge you to follow the link in the order of service. I've put it there in the announcements and request uh, to, to watch it, to listen to what he said, because it's, uh, it's fascinating. It's mostly on the buildings, his talk about our buildings and grounds. And he looked at um, what, the people, <clears throat> what the people of our church said when they started, when they thought about building these buildings. He started off by thinking small, he said, <clears throat> two modest buildings they were thinking of. But they looked ahead and saw that they, they wanted, they needed more space than that. And so they dreamed up and talked to an architect who helped them dream up the spaces we have now. They explicitly wanted a building that would reflect, these are their words, reflect freedom of thought and action coupled with the disciplines of a mature mind. That would convey a tolerance for the religious beliefs of others and recognition and retention of the good in cultures other than our own. And they said they wanted this space to express a sense of human equality and, their word, brotherhood. And so, and Dan goes into much more detail, insightful detail about the design. I'll just touch on a couple of things that he noted. They created, for one thing, um, a, a main hall that had no particular orientation. There was nothing to indicate um, this is the direction in which we must all face. There was no one center of, of one's focus. But it wasn't long until the people put the madrone branch that's above my head on one wall. As if, as Dan points out, they were a little uneasy with having so little direction, having a blank wall for us each to write our truths upon. And they made many doors coming into the main hall. There's not one path in, not like many religious communities that uh, direct you to one door, that show you, here's the cross up front, that's where you look, although now the Madrone branch fills, fills much of that, that role with interesting effect as, as um, thank you for that visual. As Dan said, <clears throat> But also the many doors they show, you know, people come by many paths. They're all fine. All the paths by which they seek the truth and the light of love. And we feel in our very bodies, in our experiences here, the tension of that. People get lost coming to our, to our main hall. It's hard to, to direct them to the correct door and they might try one after another. The doors that are now bright red 
to say, here you are, here's the place, welcome, come on in. So, in various ways, our founders and the people who built these buildings said, it's all sacred, all the ways you come in. Come on in, they're all welcome, they're all holy. This place is holy. And so I'm wondering whether we believe it. Or do we think that maybe what happens here isn't that important? I, I, because, you know, living in this culture can really do a job on you. Even if you grew up Unitarian Universalist, I imagine you have this, um, this challenge and I know I do as somebody who didn't, that even though I believe firmly that this is a real religion, that sacred things happen here, things that transform me, that change my life, that make me a better person and help me live out my purpose and help us all to live out a better purpose, help us to feel that light within that tells us how to be, what to do. There's so much telling us that if we don't have one path, one direction, one door in, we're not a real religion. And what happens here isn't sacred. And so it's important to reflect on what happens here. Right here, where I'm standing right now, we dedicate our children. We welcome them to the world and to our families and we give them their names and a blessing. Right here, we say goodbye forever to the people we have loved. Sacred events. We dance in these spaces. We eat together. We share conversations that we can't have with anybody else. The, talking about the things that we need to talk about or just listening with an open heart or looking into somebody else's eyes and knowing they understand. They understand what we can't even give words. People who are hungry, who are homeless, who are outcast, come here and find a warm welcome food and shelter, and the assurance that we all belong together no matter what our physical circumstances. It's sacred. That's what I see when I look at those pictures. The things that happen, the maypole dance, the walking of the labyrinth, the gathering and speaking and eating waffles. that sacred things happen here. It's not an ordinary space because we have hallowed it. Even the parking lot now will never be the same. We have made it sacred by the things that happen and by the moments of grace and transformation that have happened here. So are we tending it like it matters? Are we polishing it and caring for it? Because, and I'm talking to myself here, I'm not saying anything to you that I haven't said to myself. 
Something else I see in those pictures is, oh, the paint is peeling there. The, the rafters are scratched and rotting. We replaced them in the last year. We've been caring for them. I see so many ways that we don't treat our space, we don't treat ourselves and the amazing things that happen to us in this place as if they really matter. As I said, I, I have a long list of things, starting with, gosh, scrape the old tape off the inside of my office windows. A long list of things to do to make this space reflect how important it is and important as the things that happen here are. And they get crowded out. I take it for granted as other priorities crowded out. But then I see the signs that we do care, like the painting that's going on now. It's not just about painting either. That takes money. But creating a shrine does not take money. Just attention and intention. Clearing away of a little space. The noticing that something is dusty and giving it a polish. Looking at every casual corner where we gather. From this main hall, our worship space, to the toddler room strewn with toys. Looking at every casual corner and saying, you know, it's important what happens here. And I'm going to honor it. I'm going to make it beautiful. I love to see that we're doing that. Because it's not just about the space. It's about the people who inhabit it and the longings of our souls. The longings that made people establish a congregation here and build it a home. The longings to take our one wild and precious life and make it Make it reflect how holy, unique, invaluable, beautiful it is. So may we make not only every casual corner of this, our shared, beautiful building, gardens, grounds. May we not only make it one great shrine, but may we take that with us wherever we go.